Well, hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone listening in. Welcome to this newest edition of the VORW International Podcast. All right, one short note before we get into the show. The bulk of this program was recorded in 2021, uh, before New Year's. So I, I had originally intended to get this out before New Year. Uh, that obviously didn't happen, but as the saying goes, uh, better late than never. And uh, that said, that's the only inconsistency that I wanted to point out. Uh, just bear in mind that if it seems, I mean, very, very mildly dated, that's why. But I got the show done, and here we go. Hope you enjoy it. This is VORW. So, gosh, how long has it been now? You'd think I would have been better prepared for this, but this is one of those things that I more or less just decided to go ahead with. I grabbed the microphone, I set it up. Here I am, sitting at my little recording area, which I made slightly more comfortable than I normally would. Well, let's see, when did I last get a show out? December 16th. And that was a Thursday, Thursday the 16th. So, <coughs> I take it that if you keep in touch with the channel anyway and all of that, it's probably been a couple weeks, maybe two, I would say two weeks, maybe a week and a half, two weeks, since uh, the last show that I did. My goodness, though, for me, it certainly was... Uh, well, comparably, in terms of what normally happens, uh, it was an interesting two weeks. I came down with COVID, so I can give an update on that and uh, kind of talk about my experience for a little bit, because, I mean, why not? It's, it's my show. I can talk about what I wish, I suppose. Um, good news, obviously. I think you could tell that it didn't get the best of me. I'm here at the microphone holding my own, doing good. So I'm uh, very pleased to report that. Um, all right, number one. First thing that I think some people think... This is another example, I believe, of how some people have been... You watch too much... This or that. Because these sorts of things make easy stories in terms of the mainstream uh, media. Where... It's this weird thing where I feel like if you if you get COVID, you're supposed you're supposed to change your mind on something all of a sudden. So some some people actually asked me. I think I got this email like from five or six different people, believe it or not, with either word for word or at least extremely um, bearing an extreme semblance thereto. The question: Well, how has your view changed? now that you got COVID. <laughs> I can't help, you know, no offense given to the senders, I can't help but kind of laugh a little bit because I think to myself, well, it hasn't changed. I mean, was it supposed to? <laughs> you know, that lecture that I gave at the beginning of the broadcast, the last one that um, I did, where I talked about uh, COVID and how, you know, it had been two years now, etc. Well, my view is exactly the same as what you heard there. There's no... um no changes whatsoever. It was everything that I expected it to be. So no surprises, no changes, no adjustments. 
Um, I'm pretty sure I got the, if we're to break it down, the Omicron variant. Either way, you know, it's just a sick story. I, I do this sometimes. I'll talk about my little ill health escapades. Um, because why not? If you don't like it, you always have the option to fast forward and kind of skip through this, but it's conversation. So I first started noticing that things weren't right on Saturday the 11th. It was actually right around the midnight division between Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th. So we'll just say the very early hours of Sunday the 12th of December 2021. And I had, because Sunday the 12th, that was when I recorded the mailbag edition for the show that you heard. So, you know, I set up outside again. I, I brought um brought my stuff out there. I, I set up a little recording area and I got to it. As I was doing the recording, now I noticed this slightly beforehand, but it, it picked up while I was doing the talking and especially afterward. I noticed that I had this kind of sore throat materializing. You, you ever talk for an extended period of time, though, and maybe you're a little out of practice or whatever it might be, and your throat, you know, you feel like a little bit of a, a soreness and tiredness um, in that area after you've spoken at great length. Well, that Sunday, that's what I attributed it to. And I thought, well, I don't know, maybe I was just out of practice. I mean, I recorded for a long time. I talked for hours. I thought maybe I just kind of, I don't know, I just, I have to get back into it and I need to be, maybe I should take more breaks or drink more water or something. So that morning, you know, I feel the sore throat, but I go to sleep at around noon. And I didn't get a ton of sleep, but I woke up at around eh, maybe 6 p.m. or so, if I had to guess. Still Sunday. And my throat was much more sore. It was uh, quite, quite painful. And it just didn't get any better. I thought to myself, wow, I mean, I really must have done something to myself. Maybe it was just allergies. Maybe it was, um, maybe I tore something. I don't know. I had no clue what it was. Everything changed on Monday the 13th, and that's when I felt like I got hit by, you know, insert speeding object here. <laughs> you know, I got, um, all of a sudden I was laying in bed, and just like that, like you flip the switch, all of a sudden this, it was like a 103 degree fever at one point, I think, came, came about, heart rate really accelerated. It was going crazy. Uh, chills, body aches, all of that stuff. Um, pounding headache, exhaustion, etc. You know, that, and just that overall feeling where it's like, you know what I mean, that sick feeling where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sick, right? I don't feel normal, I feel sick. Uh, so that was the feeling. And it was, that was the worst day, that Monday, the 13th. Um, that morning, my heart rate was crazy. It was, I measured it, it was 160 beats per minute. So <laughs> it was really going, let me tell you. Um, 
I was just, and I was just laying in bed, just doing nothing. Um, otherwise, it was for the entire day, really between 140 and 160 beats per minute. And uh, this unrelenting pain in my throat. But I got a lot of rest, I slept a lot, I drank plenty of fluids, all of that good stuff. Um, ate when I could. You know, took my vitamins, took vitamin D, uh, zinc especially, zinc and vitamin D. And, uh, Tuesday I felt slightly better, the fever was a bit lower, and the heart rate was a bit lower too. It wasn't 160 anymore, but maybe it was then fluctuating between 120 and 140. Another rest day, slept some more, rested some more, and things gradually improved throughout the week. Um, by Wednesday or Thursday the fever was pretty much gone. I think it was by Wednesday the fever was gone. And, uh, then the headache was next to, to eventually dissipate. It kind of came in waves, but it was finally gone by maybe the 18th. And, uh, the sore throat, the pain just started getting better and, and better by the day. By that, I mean not some sort of, you know, sadistic pleasure or anything. Oh, the pain feels so good, you know, or any, any, uh, stuff like that that I'm not fond of one single bit. Um... But by that, I mean the pain level noticeably diminished by the day. And uh, it lingered quite a bit. As a matter of fact, here I am on the 22nd of December, giving this update. I still feel a little, you know, a little iffy in my throat, but it's so mild. Out of 10, I'd say it's a 1 out of 10. It's just, you could tell it's not 100% normal, but it's to the point where it's just relegated directly to the background noise, and, um, no issues or worries there. So the sore throat was the most prominent and persistent symptom. I've had some, uh, congestion, some coughing, as you can kind of tell here and there, but, uh, easily it was upper respiratory. Um, that was what it was. Mostly that sore throat was really, um, really getting me. Afterward, what I notice is just this lingering fatigue. Uh, now, I've always been a tired person to begin with, um, but I'm just kind of more out of it, I suppose, than usual, which is to be expected. And, um, like I said, am I necessarily miserable because of that? No, not at all. Because, like I said, it's not like I was some sort of, you know, track and field athlete or something. And I was training for the big marathon, and now all of a sudden, everything was derailed, right? That's not the case. Um, what do I do? I just kind of sit around all day to begin with, so... No, uh... No issue there. But, uh... You know, it came on... Came on quick. But definitely the biggest thing was that sore throat. And, uh... That's the thing. What I've seen, anyway, now, anything COVID-related, no matter how you want to look at it, um, there's so much factitious information out there. You have to be careful of what's, what's fake, or what's pure speculation. I was looking this morning as I was reading the news, 
And let me actually see if I could even find this. And if not, I will paraphrase, because I know I can get away with that here. <laughs> uh, let's see. Because I'm looking for a specific set of stories. And this is... I'm just trying to find something here. Well, anyway, I can't find it, because it does change, granted. But I remember it, and it was from two different news outlets. The first was from Bloomberg. And it said... I think it said something to the extent of... And it was just, it made me laugh to see the juxtaposition right there in front of you like this. So, it said, Omicron variant is, it was something like 80% less severe than Delta, or maybe it was 80% fewer hospitalizations than Delta variant, obviously implying that it's uh, maybe a weaker strain. But then you look at NBC News, and they had a headline saying, U.S. hospitals are at a breaking point with the Omicron variant. And there was something, it was like, it was one of those, you know, dramatized headlines where they put the uh, ellipses in something like, um, it just directly contradicted what the other, what the other, um, the other site said, it was something like, we don't know how bad it's going to get or something. And it just kind of made me laugh because it's so, you know, 180. It's like night and day to see them just right next to each other, these two headlines, um, was just kind of something. So you have to be wary of all this stuff. And I'm talking in the mainstream, in society. Um, all of this stuff just brings out the worst in people. I mean, let me tell you, you see so much craziness out there. Um, from all sides and all directions with the COVID stuff, it's crazy. Uh, I hate the way that it is. I hate the way people are. But what I try to tell myself, it's not really consolation. It's just acceptance. I say, well, look, this isn't necessarily the COVID that did this to people and made them this way. These cruel, inhumane individuals were always this way. These blatant psychopaths, and you name it, they have always been this way. And they were hiding and kind of lurking in the shadows. Shouldn't you be glad that they're finally at least coming out so you know who to stay the hell away from, right? So, I kind of say that too. But what I was just trying to say is that, you know, with COVID, there's just so much, I don't know, it's, everything is conflicted, you know, you just gotta remember what I said in the other show, just be a responsible, clean a sanitary and hygienic person, and that's all that I could tell you anyway. And uh, it's a spectrum, you know? I didn't die or any of that. Uh, everyone's different, but, uh, you know, just take it easy. Take care of yourself. That's the only advice I could give you. I did not lose my sense of taste or smell. Um... There was one short period where my sense of smell was kind of muted a little bit, but it bounced back real quick. So, that was not any real issue. And again, the throat was the main thing, so... That's all that there was to it, though, you know, just rested a bit. Back, uh, back at it, though. And, um... Uh, that's what we have there. So... The Del you know, well, not the Delta variant, the Omicron variant. 
I don't know. You know, it's like I feel like everyone. Now I'm talking in terms of policymakers. I don't know. All depends. It's just so. It's so weird to me how you have these. It's not. It's not a surprise. It's just kind of funny still because it's such a major story. It's like no one really knows what to say or do, and the problem is that I feel like some of these uh, decision makers kind of have this sort of myopic uh, view of it, where they just they see it and they think, well. We need restrictions ASAP. But I don't know. If it's really 80% less than uh, less hospitalizations, we don't need that then. I'm not afraid to say it either. As long as the hospitals are good and the world isn't ending, I don't see a point. That's my take, though. It's just my two cents. COVID or not... I think people should just be, you know, just be clean, you know, wash your hands every now and then. What's wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just keeping yourself clean and sanitary, trying to stay healthy, right? Nothing wrong with that. So just some COVID thoughts. Huge thank you, by the way, to everyone who emailed in and sent your well wishes that uh, that really meant a lot, and uh, thank you all for caring. It's it's always nice to hear from all of you, and uh, it's appreciated. And I hope you know it. So, like I just said, some COVID thoughts there. All right, here's something that I was thinking about, and even though this broadcast doesn't necessarily go out to as large an audience as it did a year ago, but mind you, that's on purpose. I could double the size of this audience right now with one simple move. I could go ahead and just upload this show to YouTube. All of a sudden, you're going to have twenty to 30,000 more people listening in. I have the ability to do so, but I choose not to. And I've talked about that before. But regardless, I'm happy with the amount of response that comes in. It's not overwhelming, it's not insane, it's just a nice balance. And uh, everything's working out good there. So, what I was trying to say in that sort of barely coherent anecdote is that last year, at around New Year, I asked for predictions for 2021 And even if the audience this is going out to might be smaller for this time around, uh, I'm going to do it again for 2022. And the first show, providing that nothing crazy happens, of 2022 is going to be a predictions show. So here's the way it works. Obviously, we're pretty much done with 2021. We have... 2022, just about ahead of us. Well, it's a new year. What do you think is going to happen in 2022? What do you, What are your predictions? Look, we've been through some real crazy stuff uh, these last two years, haven't we? <laughs> For God's sake, look at 2020, look at 2021. So what do you think is going to happen in 2022? What do you think 
is in store for us? Do you think this is going to be the year that things get better? Are things going to get worse? Are they going to be the same? Uh, what are your predictions? And it could be anything. Um, any predictions you want to have, it could be in terms of current events, it could be in terms of geopolitics, could be celebrity predictions, political predictions, um, could be in terms of pop culture, uh, could be a prediction that you have for yourself, could be a tongue-in-cheek prediction, just a prediction. What do you predict for 2022? Um, what are your thoughts? What do you think is going to happen in the next year? So you could send it in. Don't hold back. Just tell it Tell it like you see it. Um, because since we're off YouTube at this point, I'm not as concerned. So uh, just say what you want to say and um, just try to be civil. That's all that I ask. If you'd like to send in a prediction, I strongly encourage you to do so. You can reach me via email, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Once again, that's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Keep your prediction as long or as short as you would like, and it doesn't need to be limited to just one prediction. If you've got five, send me five. If you've got one, send me one. Uh, whatever number is comfortable with you, and if you'd like to elaborate on your predictions or not, purely your decision. So, it's uh, it's something that I hope goes over well. Like I said, I know there's not as many potential listeners to uh, get this out to, so it would be great if, if if a couple people write in anyway. The one the one thing that I just hope to avoid, and here's kind of why I'm incentivizing correspondence a little more than usual. Think about what a crazy year 2020 was, right? Because when, when you look at it this way, you have... You had that one month, January of 2020, that was still was like the old world. <laughs> right, you got the old world, and now you got the new normal, as they call it. But um, pre, you know, new normal, as they, as they say... No one had a clue that 2020 was going to play out the way that it did. I did a predictions show for 2020. So I think some people listening right now may think to themselves, wow, I kind of want to listen to that, you know? I, I want to see just how, you know, how far wrong the predictions for 2020 were, and were there any really insightful ones that maybe were surprisingly right. Well, here's the thing. 2020 would have been a real fun year to see the predictions, but I did the show, I gave the call for correspondence, and I think maybe three people wrote in with a couple predictions, and that was it. It was just three emails for the whole show, and there were really no predictions. For such a year, it really could have been something, um, but no one wrote in. Last year's predictions show was much more successful, but I just hope, you know, it, it just doesn't wind up being a repeat of the 2021. But if it is, look, I'm not going to pitch a fit. I'm not going to take my microphone and, you know, smash it into the ground or anything. I'm not going to sit here with, you know, rivulets of, of tears streaming down my face and I'll give some sort of barbaric almost animalistic scream, it's not going to happen that way. So I'm just going to shrug and I'll say, well, it's a shame, but it is what it is. We'll just move on to the next show. 
But that's just why I emphasize if there's something that you'd like to predict, again, any prediction, I'm not looking for anything specific. So uh, whatever you'd like to share, it's welcome, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I hope to hear from you, but like I said, look, it's just going to be what it is, and um, I just find those sorts of shows interesting. And it's one of those shows that you can kind of re-listen to then at the end of the year and see... uh, see what it really, how did it wind up being. So, we will see. Anything else that I want to talk about? Um, I'll give a little bit of an update with shortwave radio. I haven't done that in a while, have I? There's not too much to discuss. Um, In terms of the medium, but... There are two countries, I'll just say this just generally speaking, in terms of um, international broadcasting, for anyone interested. There are actually two countries that returned to shortwave in the last month. And uh, that was a pleasant surprise, because you know these days, it's a medium that remains in decline, but that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be a few exceptions that buck the trend. That's not to say that it's indicative of anything more than that, because it's not. It's still generally declining, and that's not stopping. Um, But there will always be a few things that do happen that kind of take it the other way, which is nice. Uh, So two countries returned to the shortwave. There was no... And this is the way it usually goes these days. If a country comes back to shortwave or a station that hasn't been heard for a while fires up the transmitters after a long time... There's not any sort of ceremony or announcement or anything. It's just one day someone's scanning around and they happen to hear this station again and they just come back without announcement or warning. So the two countries, uh, the first one was Georgia. Now that's not (laughs) to be confused with the U.S. state of Georgia, um, but the country, Georgia. And uh, they have a five kilowatt transmitter that was uh, mostly broadcasting in Russian and uh, it's heard on the frequency of 9534 kHz at random times throughout the day but it seems to be back this uh, station was the only shortwave station out of Georgia and uh, they had been off the air I think since like 2018 so that's a surprise that the transmitter was just sitting there collecting dust uh, for almost three to four years at this point. That's a a real surprise. But uh, I guess they kind of blew the dust off of it, fired it back up. It clearly still works. So uh, they've got their station going again. I think it's called... I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Apsua Radio? That's A-P-S-U-A. I don't think it would be something as direct as Apusa. I think it would be probably Apsua, but who knows? It's, it's That's the spelling, though. You could make of it what you will. But uh, they've been broadcasting every single day, so it looks like they might be here to stay once again. Uh, five kilowatts in terms of shortwave will only get out so far. 
you want to listen, chances are you'd get you'd get the best signal if you were located in, you know, Western Russia, um, probably Eastern Europe. You'd also get, of course, a good signal if you were in Georgia, um, Azerbaijan, Armenia, Turkey, Iran, and perhaps some of the, the Middle East. But beyond that, I wouldn't anticipate getting a good signal in the U.S. or anything. So that's one, one station. Another station that returned to the airwaves with a much higher power was Radio Cairo from Egypt. Um, all of a sudden, they just started broadcasting again. They stopped broadcasting on the shortwave since 2019, early 2019. But uh, just this month, they started firing up the transmitters again. I think they're broadcasting with... Uh, I think some of their frequencies have 125 kilowatts, but there's one that might even be with uh, 500 kilowatts, so some much higher power. But lately they've been heard on uh, 9440 kilohertz in Albanian and Turkish. They've also been heard on 9900 kilohertz in Italian and English. And the English broadcast is the one that has the 500 kilowatt transmitter. So um, I have been able to pick that up here in Florida. Now here is the thing about Radio Cairo, though. This is just the way that they are. This is how they've done things for decades, and I don't know why it is this way. Radio Cairo has some very serious technical issues with their transmitters. All the transmitters are older, probably from the 70s. Some of them might even be from the 50s and 60s. And they are in extremely, extremely bad shape. And I thought that they went off the air in 2019 because all the transmitters broke. And they have a lot. They had like 16 different transmitters. And I guess I thought they just went through every last one of them. But uh, it seems like they still have two or three working transmitters. And they just turned them on. And uh, that's what they're using to broadcast with. But here's the thing in terms of Radio Cairo. Um, don't expect a good-sounding program. Uh, a lot of the time, and I'm just going to tell it like it is, their station is distorted beyond recognition. And just imagine something that sounds as bad as, as possible. Like, you know, a non-radio analogy that I think some of you would, would understand... Uh, those videos I sometimes see on YouTube where, where people will really increase the bass in the audio to the point where it's just like this distortion and it's just, you know, they take a song or something and they originally, they up the bass, they increase the bass by 10% and then another 10% and another 10% and it progressively gets more and more distorted and unrecognizable until finally it's just this noise and you have no clue what it's even supposed to be. Well, that's what Radio Cairo sounds like a lot of the time. Either that, or the audio levels are so poor, it sounds like someone is just whispering into the microphone, and even if the signal is insanely strong, you can't even really understand them. Um, but on occasion, you know, they can sound okay. Other times the audio just sounds really crunchy sounding, just they have ser serious problems. Now, you might say, so, you're telling me 
It's a shortwave station that receives government funding from Egypt and broadcasts with 500,000 watts of power, but the audio is distorted most of the time beyond recognition, and they're targeting Europe and North America with these broadcasts, two areas where shortwave certainly isn't popular as popular as it used to be. Uh, why? I mean, do, do they have any listeners? Like, this makes no sense to me. Why the hell would they be doing this, right? Well, your question, it's, that's a good question. I have no idea. I mean, I have no clue whatsoever. <laughs> so your guess is as good as mine, quite frankly. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know why they do what they do. It's just what they do, though. And uh, that's all that can really be said about it. So why? I have no idea. I don't know how many people that they're reaching with these broadcasts. Apparently, they've been getting some correspondence, though. So I don't know if they actually had a base of dedicated listeners in Europe and North America who despite the abysmal audio quality, would just diligently listen because they liked the programming so much and would just kind of put that aside. And maybe they're back and they're kind of excited to have the station back. I mean, that's maybe that's possible. Um, you know, maybe there's a few people in really rural areas. Now, in the Middle East itself, there might be some people who will, who will listen to it if the signal's really strong, because there's more listeners over there. I mean, I, I could see some guys in Yemen maybe listening in. Um, although, you know, what applicability would the Albanian, Italian, or Turkish service have? Maybe some people would understand the English broadcast. But uh, either way, they've been getting some correspondence. Uh, maybe it's just people who are excited just to have any sort of new signal on the air, regardless of quality. But uh, I was able to pick them up directly again. I uh, I wasn't able to get the 9440 broadcast that clearly, but again, their English service uh, did come through quite nicely. And I was able to go out on the back, uh, the back patio with my radio, and I was able to listen, and they were playing some Egyptian music that... That was on a day where the distortion wasn't that bad. It was actually um, pretty cool to hear Radio Cairo again. I found out the email address, and I, I sent them an email. I did. I just said, look, you know, the quality isn't perfect, but I want to give you guys props for even considering shortwave in 2021 and, uh, and giving it a, uh, another try. So, you know, good to see that they're still getting some, some correspondence, and that might be why they... They didn't just kind of turn the transmitters off after a few days, but they're still going on a daily basis. So, Radio Cairo, they're back. The English broadcast, for the most part, seems to mostly be news and Egyptian music, but I think they do have some cultural programming as well. Um, so that's Radio Cairo there. Are there any other stations, any other station news to report? Um, let's see. 
No, not too much else to report. You know, it's you got all the um, all the broadcasters that are still there on the shortwave kind of remain there. You know, you have the Voice of America and the BBC and DW and Radio France and Radio Exterior de España that all kind of provide their news broadcasts to uh, mostly Africa, parts of Asia, and the Middle East. And uh, then you have some of the brokered shortwave stations that kind of sell their airtime to whoever wants it. Um, the reception conditions seem to be good, though. Lately, I was, I was getting some good listening in. I uh, was able to get a lot of stations the other morning. So, if you've got a radio, I mean, scan around a little bit from time to time. See what you can hear. Still stuff out there. And uh, again, the other day, it was one morning, it was around like 7 a.m., I was able to pick up so much. I, I used the wire antenna, but was able to get a get quite a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. Mostly signals out of Asia, but I was able to get all continents. Really, I heard um, tons of Asian stations. Of course, the North and South American ones. But I was able to hear uh, transmitters out of Europe, or the Middle East, and even Africa, and uh, of course Australia and uh, Oceania. So was able to. Uh, to hear quite a lot. Give it a try sometime. You might be interested. You might you might be pleasantly surprised at what you actually find. All right. So let's get into some emails now. And uh, I feel like I'm doing a repeat of the last show that I did, because have I a specific place to start? No, I don't. So let's just pick a spot. Any spot. Go from there. All right. No, that's not that's not a one for the show. Sometimes I try to sift through them. I swear to God, I feel like I've this is an exact repeat of the last program. Well, it is what it is anyway. <clears throat> uh, we hear from an anonymous listener who says just wanted to send an email checking in, see how you're doing health wise. Heard about you being sick, wanted to make sure you're on the mend. How are you doing currently? Uh, like I said earlier on in the show, uh, better, pleased to say. Not 100%. I mean, I notice, for instance, that I'm less tot- <laughs> less energetic, I should say. Now, I'm very low energy to begin with, but to give an example, um, most of the time, you know, I keep my unconventional sleep schedule but I would be up for the duration for the most part. Uh, Nowadays, I can't really do that anymore, so I'm up, let's say, from maybe 8 p.m. until either 1 to 3 a.m. Then I'll sleep for a few hours, then I'll get up at around 7 a.m. and stay up until noon, then I'll sleep some more. So I do more sleeping these days. Um, Aside from that... I'm I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Thankfully, I'm not in any sort of pain or anything. Just a little more tired than usual, but you know what? I'm not some sort of pro athlete or anything. So what is it to me? I can I can I can live with it. I can deal with it. So uh thank you for checking in though. We hear from Alexandra in the UK. I hope this email finds you well. I would like to thank you for that waste of time introduction to your previous podcast. 
Your articulate and verbose manner is always delightful, but hearing you talk about the fog was a perfect anecdote, or sorry, a perfect antidote to my stressful day. While listening at night, I gazed out of my window to see a light fog developing over the fields here in the north of England. So putting on my woolly coat and hat, I too sat outside for much of the episode, only coming back inside once it became too cold to stay outdoors. I now write to you beneath several duvets or comforters, as I believe you Americans say, because the price of heating our homes in the UK is becoming exorbitantly high and will only get worse. I share your fear and pessimism about the future from the response to COVID, our economic state, and the global saber-rattling, but I do find myself optimistic about the future of the internet. It could be tunnel vision, but I'm seeing a strong push for decentralized and privacy-respecting services and tools, which is growing each year. It's quite a lot to get into right now, so I'll leave you with that. Thanks for all you do. All the best, and wishing you a very Merry Christmas from Alexandra. So thank you, Alexandra in the UK. Sounds like you had a lovely listening experience, if I may say so myself. Uh, You're able to enjoy some nice fog, too. And uh, it, it sounds great. Obviously, you know from the last show, I most certainly enjoy the fog. And uh, sounds like you did as well. Uh, interesting, though, in terms of the, uh, you know, your view of things. Uh, obviously, the future, you know, it. well, we're going to be getting that into the next show, aren't we? We're going to uh, be hearing some listener predictions, but again, I am not optimistic. Uh, I wish I could be, but I'm not. I say to myself, in terms of COVID, like, for for instance... Let's look at it the best way. Let's absolutely say, I don't think it's going to play out this way. I just, I don't know. But let's assume that you have the Omicron variant, and it's rather weak. It results in very few hospitalizations and deaths. But it spreads like absolute wildfire, so pretty much everyone gets it, and... uh whether someone is now vaccinated or unvaccinated or whatever it might be, everyone has natural immunity. Um, What if that winds up being the end to COVID? I don't know, though. In that case, that should be a great thing. But the way I guess my mind just is these days, I say, well, you know what, if COVID's going away, guess what? something else is just going to come up in its place, so it's, uh, what what the hell does it matter, right? If it's not COVID, it's going to be something else, because why wouldn't it be? Uh, that's, that's the reality of the world. But anyway, that's just my, my <laughs> very dark take on things. Uh, honestly, it's just going to be what it is, we will see. I think it's interesting, though, what you mentioned in terms of the internet, and uh, I share your sentiment. I certainly hope that that push continues. I think one of the most important things in terms of that would be if, you know, there's just a good information campaign. Because what I see is a lot of people who are just 
looking for that solution. And uh, more and more people are obviously finding it, but I think if you just had your casual internet user who just goes on for social media or whatever, if they were somehow just more aware or enlightened as to the state of things, and we presented these solutions, um, that would help it even more. So some information campaigns in terms of that would be, uh, I think, very helpful. But I, 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 hope, I hope you're right. It's something that I would like to see, too. Let's see. Eli in Pennsylvania. I watched your last episode and heard you mention that you are usually cold despite temperatures being in the 70s. You may already know this, but a lot of heat can be lost from the body through the feet and head, so wearing wool socks or a beanie hat may be helpful. I know a beanie hat may be silly when matched with the suit, but it could be nice around the house. That's why I'm kind of cracking up right now as I read that. Uh, my other recommendation, which I'm slightly less sure of, is the humidity. I know Florida can be very humid, and I imagine this persists in the winter months, although I have only ever been there in summer, so a dehumidifier may be helpful as well. I wish you the best. Eli from Pennsylvania. So, Eli, thank you. Oh, you have a, a fun fact. You say... Hear that banging? What's going on? Let's look. Oh, that was a garbage truck going around. Okay, not a big deal then. I heard this banging noise outside my window here, and I thought, the hell is that? But it's just a garbage truck going by collecting the bins. That's all that that is. All right, no big deal. Anyway, your fun fact, you say, to withstand cold temperatures... Deer have minimal blood flow to their legs. That's interesting. Uh, you know, I could understand that. Like, when you look at a deer, right, you see the legs are very, um, at least compared to the mass of the rest of their body, their legs are very, you know, they're very, um, not like sticks, but very thin. That's fascinating. And let's look at the humidity right now here in florida let's look i think it is humid still though at least as far as i could tell it is but let's get an actual percentage for you because we're gonna find out i mean maybe it won't be but let, let's let's get a number i just want to get a definitive number all right i would say it's rather humid like right now it's 60 percent humidity outdoors so, uh, certainly, you're not getting, like, that wintertime, extremely low humidity or anything. But, um, yeah, it's, it's still, it's still humid, I would say. Kind of, it makes the cold stick to you, right? Um, as for feet, now, I already take the socks into account, you know, I'm not one of those people that walks around barefoot. I always have socks, and, uh, indeed, sometimes I'll put a second pair on some rather warm socks. So I try to get my bases covered there. Uh, in terms of wearing a hat indoors, though, I have not. So no hood or beanie or any of that for me. Like I said, I kind of... I, I smile a bit at the thought of such a combination. Um, but definitely a chance that it could, uh, it could really work. I, I agree with you there. Because like you said, yeah, it's, it's established that... 
the heat, you know, it does, a lot of it does escape from the head. That's very true. Um, I remember sometimes when I was up in New York, I, I didn't really wear those sorts of hats either up there. I never did, actually. But I had a little pair of earmuffs that I would sometimes put on and uh, would go with them. Again, I wasn't really a hood person either, but I would just put the earmuffs on and hope for the best. We hear from Oliver in Sydney, Australia. Thank you for the podcast the other day on the 15th. It brightened my day yet again to hear your voice. Here to apologize for the off-tone um, because of any sickness, but it was great hearing your voice again nonetheless. And I really enjoyed the soft-spoken ASMR with the outdoor white noise, just like the old podcast. I'd never written to you before, but I've been a long-time listener, and I appreciate all of your content. I understand your break due to the hideous hate mail you receive, and I wish I could think of a viable solution, but I understand many are flawed, and I respect your decision nonetheless. To that extent uh, that you can, don't listen to the haters, you're a brave individual and stand out from a monotonous crowd of clickbait and noise, and you're a brilliant broadcaster. Look forward to emailing you more with topic, ideas, and questions if future shows call for it. Kindest regards, Oliver in Sydney, Australia. So thank you, Oliver. It's it's great to hear from you. And uh, by all means, you're welcome to write in. If anything comes to mind, any topics that you would like to uh, discuss, you're welcome to do so. So I extend an open invitation your way. So, thank you, by the way, in terms of what you mentioned with titles. You know, there were a couple minor comments, not a lot, that were criticizing the latest review that I did, which was for Taco Bell, at least at the time of recording this. I stand by this title completely. Um... I am unrepentant, and I think this title is not clickbait. I think it's perfectly justifiable, and um, I think it's telling it like it is, where I said Taco Bell is uh, Taco Bell should be ashamed of themselves. I think that's completely true, because damn, damn right, they should be. Uh, they really should be ashamed of themselves for pumping out such low-quality, absolute garbage. And... Uh, I think a clickbait title would be, you know, I don't know. You got to put the emojis in the thumbnail too if you do that. But you could say the worst, um, <laughs> right, the worst Taco Bell item ever or something. You got to have a lot of capitals and some overdone thumbnail. I think this title is just kind of telling it like it is, but um, I'm not changing it. I, uh, it's a title that I stand by. But thank you, Oliver. I appreciate your support over there in Sydney, Australia. And uh, you said you got a shortwave radio, too. So I'm going to send some frequencies your way that might reach you uh, down there. Okay. We have a comment from Maggie, who said, I hope you feel better soon. Good for you doing what you need to do by not making a day in the life video this year. 
Although I enjoyed these videos, I would rather you not make them if they're uncomfortable for you to make. If people don't understand, so be it. You set a good example for your fans by prioritizing your own well-being and not being pressured into something that isn't good for you. I hope you know that, and I'm sorry that you will inevitably receive backlash. Well, thank you, Maggie. It's good to hear from you, and I appreciate your understanding. I, I really do, and I thank you for that. You know, some people... Some people get it, some people don't. You know, you, you get some emails here and there that are real... You know, you get people real fired up. Um, but it's always nice to see comments such as yours that show that, you know, I may have had these fears, but there's still people out there, wonderful listeners, who, un who at least understand and respect that. So that means a lot. You know, you wouldn't believe some of the stuff, some of the, the absolute disgraceful trash that comes in. There's one guy who was saying, oh, he was so angry. He was saying that, oh, uh, what did he say? This is when I wasn't feeling, when I was worse off. He said, I hope, hope you die from the COVID because you don't get my average day video. Like, I was thinking, what kind of person would even say such an absurd thing? Right. Because they didn't get their video. May as well, may as well die because of that. What a load of absolute nonsense that is. And there was some other guy who was saying, I don't know, you know, well, I did this, and that's why you should do that. You know, you got to realize that everyone's different, though, and so what? What does it, what, what does you having to, having to have been in this, that, or the other thing have to do with this? Could understand they're trying to make that connection, but it just doesn't work. I guess I'm just trying to say thank you for your understanding. Some trash came in, in terms of very immature and nasty feedback, but um, it's really appreciated. Thank you. All right, let's get into our next email. Some suggestions uh, from Murdoch. He writes, "Sorry that you haven't been feeling well." On a different note, I wanted to inquire about a few different kinds of monster energy. Papillion, Chaotic, and Pacific Punch. Papillion is probably my favorite, maybe under-original. I think it's intended to have a, mere, have a more tangerine flavor, and while that is a bit prominent, it tastes a bit like peach rings to me. I've also tried the Chaotic flavor, and the best way I could describe it is Red Bull with a fruity kick. Pacific Punch is another interesting one. It's like Hawaiian Punch, in my opinion. Have you tried any of these? I would suggest trying them out if you haven't. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them, if you have any. Haven't seen an Energy Crisis video in a while, but uh, some of these flavors may make for an interesting review. Do you prefer the Juice Monsters or the Ultra Flavors more? I personally don't care for Ultra Monster because I can't stand the aspartame, so the aforementioned beverages make up the majority of my monster consumption. Thank you for reading, wishing you a speedy recovery, and a wonderful holiday. Thank you, Murdoch, for checking in. A, I would presume, a fan of uh, Monster, Monster Energy Drinks. Well, let's look. I don't believe so, because if indeed these are all new flavors, 
then that's not that wouldn't be the case. But let's look. I'm sure I've heard of all these because the names sound familiar. Nothing for Papillion. Nothing for Chaotic. Hmm. Now, nothing for the Pacific Punch. Back in 2016, I tried one called Pipeline Punch, but not Pacific Punch. Monster Energy Drinks, I'm, I'm more of a coffee kind of guy these days, but um, the ones that I drink are some of the... I, I drink some of the Ultra ones, if necessary, um, mostly because I like that it's zero calories. I mean... I know what you're saying, you're, you're minuscule, why should you even worry about that? But that's just how I am. Um, but I like that anyway. However, I will admit, one of my favorite monsters was Monster Chaos. And that was spelled K-H-A-O-S. I don't know if they even do that anymore. I doubt it, right? All the good stuff goes away eventually. Yeah, I think they got rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got... They, I guess they got rid of it back in 2020. It looks like Chaotic is the closest thing to it, because Monster Chaos was my, was my favorite. Uh, that one I really enjoyed, and... Uh, yeah, that was one of my one of my favorite ones. Shame they got got rid of it. You know, I'd be willing to bet. This is just my pessimism coming through. But what do you want to bet? Uh, maybe chaotic is all right, but what do you bet that it's not as good as as chaos is? Right? Because isn't isn't that the way that it goes? So we'll see. I don't know. Did they get rid of it or did they not? I swear to God. I don't know, because I see the story about how they replaced it. But then if I go to Amazon... And even here on Walmart... Looks like they're still selling it. But other people are saying... Like here on... On Amazon, it's being marketed... See, this is just deceptive and... This is, this is a lie. They're selling Juice Monster Chaos, but it looks like they're actually just getting people Monster Chaotic. You know, don't lie to people like that. Just got to tell them what the name of the product is, so maybe it's gone. Either way, a fond memory that I have in terms of Monster. Back in 2011, you know, I would do the energy drink reviews, and... There was one instance here. I, I was looking around, and I think in the early 2010s, now, if one is inclined to agree or disagree, that's up to you, but I think in the early 2010s, that was the peak of energy drinks. I think that was the golden age of energy drinks, and um, I'd say between like maybe 2010 or maybe 2009 even, We'll even say 2009 and maybe 2014 was like the golden age of energy drinks, and you had so many that were out, and um, lots of people consumed them, and you always had these sorts of 
you still get this, you know, the sports sponsorships and these real uh, adrenaline-fueled events that were sponsored by the energy drink companies, but you had so many new um, energy drinks coming onto the market. They're still around today, but it's just like, I think energy drinks now, they're not as mainstream as they used to be. It's just like people who, who drink them, drink them, and uh, and that's it. Like, even I consume them less than I, I did previously. So that's just an observation. But I remember in 2011, I tried Monster Chaos, and it's spelled, mind you, K-H-A-O-S. So you have to understand it's chaos, right, with a K, not a C-H. Um, I remember, though, before I did the review, I was looking around, and th there were lots of energy drink reviews on YouTube at the time. I mean, so many. I was not a big channel back in 2011, and I think most of you listening know that, that back then, when I did a review, the video would maybe get, I don't know, it would barely get any views to begin with. The day that I released, let's say, a review back in 2011, it would get maybe three to five views on the first day, and that was about it. So it's not like my reviews back then were any sort of authoritative source for energy drinks or any of that. No one really watched them, but I liked doing them. That's what mattered. But I remember I was checking out this one channel. <laughs> you know, the guy didn't really have any views either. We were both just small channels. And he had subscribed to me, so I had checked him out. And I remember, you know... His delivery was just rather unique, and it's it's clear that, you know, there wasn't... This is just the way that he did the videos. It, it was just... <laughs> the way he would say it, he he really just mispronounced Monster Chaos. He was... And this is the way that he would say it, mind you. He would say, This is Monster Chaos. I'm trying out Monster Chaos now. In this sort of voice, just like that, these... It sounded exactly like that, you know, the microphone is practically in his mouth with this heavy breathing. And he kept saying, I remember, Monster Cows. He would say it just like that. And that was just a little running joke for me personally at the time. So every time I would consume some Monster Chaos, I couldn't help but think of that guy with such unique delivery. And the Monster Cows, it was... Yeah, some good times, though. Thanks for writing in. Uh, just a quick email, some well wishes coming in from uh, Elwira, with a W. Uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Wish you a lot of health and staying alive. Well, thank you for your kind words and well wishes. Pleased to report that I am indeed still here, still alive as far as I'm concerned. So thank you for checking in. We hear from Eddie in Ekron, Ohio, who said, Glad to hear in your most recent podcast update that you're feeling better. Unfortunately, I came down with COVID on the 22nd, so I've been self-quarantining, but your videos and podcasts have been keeping me plenty of company. I also wanted to uh, tell you that I watched an older video of yours titled, I Had a Bad Day, 
and it helped me handle the process and uh, it helped everything quite a bit. Seeing as my own day was less than perfect, I had been overthinking something that happened to me some time ago, so I'd first like to thank you for the advice you provided in that video. To interject, um, thank you. I'm glad you liked that video, and uh, I know it's not really perfect, but I, I, uh, I'm glad that, that you liked it. On an unrelated note, what's your favorite aspect of 1920s fashion in either men's or women's clothing? Personally, I like the shape of feminine clothing from that era, and how its boxy, angular silhouette had a very stark contrast to the clothing only a couple of decades before it in the 1900s. I feel like you get this question a lot, but nonetheless, I'm interested in your thoughts. Eddie in Ekron, Ohio. Good to hear from you. So let's mark that email as read. Well, I think I'm most qualified to speak in terms of men's, uh, men's clothing in the 1920s. Now, I'll tell you what. Um, some people this won't really make sense to, but when you break things down by decade and you look at what I wear, then it kind of makes more sense. I am not the biggest fan of 1920s men's clothing, believe it or not. Uh, honestly, if you had to look at the era and time back when men normally dressed uh, very nicely, the 20s might have been one of my least favorites. And the reason is that the cut of the suits was more on the slimmer side, though not completely. Um, but hard it may be to believe, at least in terms of fashion. Now, when you're talking about fashion, mind you, there's a differentiation between what you see in the magazines and what people are actually wearing day to day. So that needs to be identified. But in terms of men's fashion, there was a big push toward more casual clothing in the 1920s. In terms of my preferences, I prefer the men's clothing more so from probably the 1880s up until the 1920s. And then again, the 1980s and 1990s. And I know it's two different things completely, but I just like what I like. Uh, for instance, one, one outfit that I was wearing in a fairly recent review was uh, where I tried out that chicken sandwich from PDQ. And the ensemble that I was wearing there would already be considered dated in the 1920s. Um, where I like wearing three-piece suits, and I like wearing detachable collars. So I like wearing um, detachable wing collars, or imperial collars, or th the one in that video is a butterfly wing collar. And it's a look that you never see anymore. I mean, I have never seen a single person, at least as long as I've been paying attention, ever wearing a collar like that in public. Um, I, I have never seen that. Now, I know for a fact that there still are people around 
who dressed like that? Um, just people like me at this point. But that number is very, very few. I just like the way that it looks, though. And again, I get a lot of criticism over it because it's so uncommon. But I just like the way that it looks to wear a, a collar that's standing upright and only has the points folded down in the front or not at all. And uh, again, that's a look that you don't really see outside of movies and television shows that take place in that period or uh, from old pictures back then. But I just really like the way that it looks and I wear it quite frequently. But you know, people say, oh, why is your collar wrong, etc. You know, But I I'm just trying to say is that that sort of look was very popular in the Victorian era and also in the Edwardian era. And by the 1910s, though, it was starting to die out. There were still, believe me, plenty of people who wore those styles into the 1920s, and even into the 1930s, and to a lesser extent the 40s, but it wasn't popular anymore, and fewer and fewer people wore those older, um, more formal styles of clothing as time progressed. So by the 1920s, again, there were still plenty of people who wore those sorts of Edwardian outfits, but the number was in decline, and it wasn't something considered fashionable. You know, it wasn't what the uh, all the cool guys were wearing or anything like that. So, I liked the... Uh, I just liked the, uh, the older styles. Really, I'm more 1910s, I've realized, than I am 1920s. But there's still some similarities, you know, some of the three-piece suits in ice and uh, all of that. But uh, that's just one thing, you know, in the 1920s, it wasn't always... People have this incorrect understanding when you hear of a 1920s-themed event or whatnot. I think a lot of guys think of gangsters, and they think of the gangster suits, and Al Capone, and uh, the Great Gatsby, and all that stuff, and, you know the fedora hat with the big pinstripe suits, etc., but you had people wearing that in the 1920s, sure, but you also had people still wearing frock coats and uh, top hats every day. Like I said, not a ton, but there were still people around who did. Thanks for your email. We've got... Joe from Boston, Massachusetts. Review Bra. I was perusing YouTube recently and stumbled upon the About tab, which I had never noticed before. You currently have 234 million total views across your channel. Quite an accomplishment if you ask me. Considering it is the end of the year and a common time to reflect on things, I'm curious, do you ever take a step back and think about the reach you have gained slash created over the last decade? 2.5 million subscribers and 235 million views. Have you ever set goals for the channel, whether it be for subscribers, views, ad revenue, etc.? How have they changed over the years? What are they currently? And lastly, kind of unrelated, if tomorrow YouTube ceased to exist, what would you pursue as a means of income? And for the sake of it, let's eliminate radio host as an option. Sorry for the multiple questions across emails. I appreciate your content and wish you health and prosperity in 2022. So thank you, Joe, in Boston. Happy New Year to you, too. So, 
Let's see. It's tough for me to take a step back and, uh, and really examine it in any way, shape, or form, because with me, I don't know, I'm just not one of those people that sits there and, and I don't know, gloats over the numbers. So I just do what I do, and, uh, I don't know, it's so tough to visualize, I think it's almost impossible to visualize 230, however many million people watching my content, or that have seen it over the years. And I know it's more than that when you factor in all the people who have seen the memes and all that stuff, you know, with time. But... I don't know, it's just incomprehensible to me. Stupid it may sound, I think I feel the same way about 235 million views that I did when I had a video that got a thousand views uh, back in early 2013. The same way, where it just, to me, you get to a certain number and it doesn't feel any different beyond that point. I know a thousand views and, you know, 200 something million is a huge difference, but it's the same to me in that neither of those numbers I ever expected to reach. So that initial surprise came, even with the lower numbers, but it's the same feeling. It's a surprise. It's not, oh yeah, look at me, all these people. <laughs> it's just a shock. It, it bewilders me beyond any way that I could express, beyond expression, that that many people have seen what I do. It's incredible, but I, uh, it blows my mind, it really does. And the same goes for subscribers and all of that. So taking that approach into account, I don't have any specific goals for the channel these days. Um, what is my goal? My goal is to keep my head above water, uh, keep it alive as best I can, and uh, keep this going for as long as I can. Uh, that is my goal, that's it. It's not, I'm gonna, you know, because you have people that make these goals, and I, I understand that, but I'm just not one of those people. I want to get 10 million subscribers by the end of 2022, or I'm quitting YouTube, right? I want to make however many bucks for this or that. You know, it's just, I say, look, I just want to keep my head above water. I want to survive, and to the best of my ability, provide hopefully enjoyable content, and likewise informative audio content especially, to whoever gives it the time of day. And that's my goal. That's been my goal for years now. Uh, the last time I had a goal different from that was probably 2018. Where I was a little more specifically interested in growing the channel, because it was heavily favored in the algorithm then. Um, but since then, my approach has changed, and I just say, look, I don't need to be on top, I don't need to be number one. Quite frankly, I don't want to be <laughs> number one. Um, but I just want to survive as best I can. I don't need the whole feast, I just want a couple breadcrumbs, um, even just the bare minimum, to, uh, to keep things going. I'll take it. I'm not here to stir the pot, and uh, that's, uh, that's all that I hope for. So that's my goal. 
and uh, that's where it remains. Now, if YouTube ceased to exist, so that's a tough question. Um, I've I've answered this honestly before, and maybe too much honesty. But when it comes to life and whatever I uh, wanted to do therein, uh, aimless, directionless, and purposeless. So I didn't have anything that I wanted to do with my life. And uh, before the YouTube channel ever got to where it is, I had no idea. Um, there was a time in 2014 and 2015 where I thought maybe I can get into radio and yeah, you don't get paid anything, but it's still something that maybe I could do and it would help bring some, uh, you know, help keep a roof over my head or something. And I was thinking maybe getting a job or, or trying to anyway at a news radio station, for instance, um, something like maybe in the New York area, you know, 1010 wins or uh, WCBS 880 AM and uh, get a job with one of those 24-hour news radio stations and try to do something with that. Or uh, maybe try to get a job even at the VOA or something, you know, be a, uh, be a newsreader for that or uh, something to that extent. That didn't work out, though. Uh, I took some classes in broadcasting and uh, communications and communication arts and all of that. And I took the classes and I did what I needed to do. And, you know, I realized from that, this is not a field that's for me. I enjoy the medium. I love the technicalities and I love radio. Um, I love being at the microphone. But in that sort of more commercialized sense, you have to be really energetic and you have to be really extroverted if you want to get anywhere. And it's a very competitive field because there just aren't a ton of openings in those sorts of stations. So it's I, I realized, you know, I like it, but it's just not for me. So I was back at square one and still don't have any idea. I mean... Part of me would be tempted if YouTube... All right, let's say this. If YouTube ceased to exist tomorrow, but I still have everything that I've got from YouTube, and there just wouldn't be anything more now, and the YouTube and the radio show are just gone, honestly, you know, part of me would just be tempted. Look, I would just maybe sell everything. Um lighten the load, take what I can, and um, just disappear, you know, maybe go, I don't know if necessarily living off the grid completely, but buy some place, maybe I don't need a ton of, you know, a ton of land, just a little bit of property in the absolute middle of effing nowhere, and uh, get the hell away from everything, and um, live for however long as I do, even if I'm dirt poor, and uh, I could just get away from this uh, wretched society and be left alone. And it is what it is, you know, even if that takes 
years off my life or whatever. And let's say under those conditions, maybe I've only got a decade left in me. Well, fine. It would be a good decade, though. And uh, maybe there won't be much accessibility to things, but I don't know, it'd be a break from, from it all. So I might just do that and um, just deal with the repercussions. Uh, but otherwise, you know, I would just uh, kind of take whatever whatever I could. By that I mean in terms of career prospects and uh, preferably something that I could just be kind of left alone in, maybe some third shift job somewhere. doesn't really matter what it would be, just something kind of quiet that I could be left alone in, you know, and it just is what it is, and uh, that's all that there is to it. But yeah, it's it's not like there's any one sort of specific thing that, oh yeah, if this all went away, um, I want to be a, you know, I want to be a professional tailor, or I want to be a salesman of, of formal wear, or I want to be a ranch hand, <laughs> you know, or any of that sort of stuff, or um, I want to be the guy that cleans swimming pools, etc. It's just no, no one thing or the other. Uh, but thank you for your email. All right, this one is just a comment, it looks like, from no listener. No name listener, that is, just numbers here. It says, the new Matrix movie sucks, by the way. Not like the first one. Maybe you can do movie reviews, too. So thank you for checking in. Not a fan of the Matrix movie, I see. All right, another anonymous listener. This is just a short question. Have you ever watched the new Beatles Get Back documentary? By Peter Jackson. If so, what are your thoughts? Uh, I haven't seen it. I've heard of it, though, but I have not seen it. So I can't really give any comment thereon, um, because I just don't know. So I, I can't really say much in regards to that, but uh, I've heard good things about it. People seem to really like it, those who have seen it. So I, I, would, I would take it that it's good. Um, Peter Jackson, in my opinion... Obviously, did Lord of the Rings, which were fantastic. Um, though, did he do The Hobbit? I don't know. Was that Peter Jackson, too? Who else would it be, though, right? And those, I, were, I was not a fan of The Hobbit. Neither was Peter Jackson. So, it's not like he's one of those people who everything he touches is excellent. The, the first three Lord of the Rings are excellent, though they were. Every... I have nothing bad to say about them. Um, although the Hobbit movies was not a fan of. I watched the first one, really excited. I actually saw it in theaters. And, you know, because I thought it was going to be on par with Lord of the Rings. Well, it wasn't. It was, You know, I fell asleep in the movie theater watching it. It was just... Because the Hobbit, mind you, was supposed to be a children's book. And there's only so much you can do. You can't make The Hobbit into Lord of the Rings. It's just not the same level, in my opinion. But they tried to. And, you know, they they pumped three movies out. But I wasn't a fan. I think I watched the first one. I couldn't make it through the second one, and I didn't even bother watching the third one. So, that's um my take 
on The Hobbit and Peter Jackson and all of that. But I've heard good things about it. People seem to like the Beatles one. We hear from Alvaro writing in. First off, I want to thank you for helping me learn how to tie a tie. I used uh, the Windsor knot for my father's funeral in August, and I uh, like wearing ties more often now, and I like it. So to interject, my pleasure to help you out, and and I'm really sorry to hear about your loss. My condolences your way. Uh, you also had a comment. You said, I enjoyed the last podcast, and I really agree about the COVID things you mentioned. Hope you're feeling better now, and good to hear that you're sleeping a bit better. As a psychologist, I always recommend my patients to keep the same hour of waking up during the whole week. Take care from Alvaro. So thank you for checking in. It's good to hear from you. And uh, glad you like the show. We've got James in Texas who just wants a shortwave schedule. I'll say it over the air. Uh, you could you could listen to my broadcast on the shortwave. And mind you, it's different from this. At the time of 9 p.m. Eastern, that'd be 8 p.m. Central for you. 7 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Pacific, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday evening on the frequency of 5850 kilohertz. That's 5.850 megahertz. 5850. Four nights a week, it's four new shows, four hours of content each and every week. So uh, that's how you can listen in on the shortwave. Uh, pretty simple. Same time and frequency, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. <laughs> All right. All right. I got You know, I got to admit, this, this, this was a little funny. The picture is just so over-exaggerated. It's from this guy, Ramsey. And the email is just called The Marketplace Rules. It's just a uh, little meme. There's this little puppy dog on the left, you know, sitting there looking as cute as ever, this innocent little puppy, and it's captioned, it says, Omicron in reality. And then on the right is this absolute hellish-looking beast that looks like a werewolf, and it's got these evil eyes, these razor-sharp claws, and it's got this mouth with these vicious teeth open, like, you look, this thing is ready to pounce on you and will tear you to shreds. Um without hesitation and then that's captioned omicron in the media so uh but you know that's just the way that it is though and it's with that with so many things i think if you follow it enough you realize it that way it's not just a covid thing you know so much gets played up and um the media they obsess over certain things and believe me they have their reasons for doing so like, it, it bewildered me, the fact that that one guy who called into the Santa tracker thing, whether you agree or disagree with what he said um, to Biden, and uh, whether it was appropriate or not, the fact that they covered that incessantly for days and days and days, and only that, you'd think it was the worst thing that ever happened in the world. And I was sarcastically commenting on that on the shortwave. I was saying, look... If I see eight separate headlines 
about what this guy said on the phone call. And I see it like that for days and days. Well, my God, I guess the world is actually, uh, everything is going great if this is all we have to, to talk about. Yeah. You know, things just are how they are. But I, I keep an open mind about it all. That's the thing. I'm not gonna... That's why I think I said earlier in the show, COVID is like a, a spectrum. But I think it's undeniable that Omicron is weaker. And uh, that's a great thing. So. A lot of people, they get scared, though. All right, and there's a few final emails that I want to read. And uh, then that'll be that for the program. So let's continue now. We hear from... An anonymous listener. Now, this is a serious one. Um, I I don't mean to discredit myself, but I, I kind of want to because I haven't any sort of... I haven't any sort of issue answering many questions, be that serious or not, but when the implications of what you're asking may have massive, massive consequences, be that positive or negative. I think consequences, I always associate negative, but they could be good too. Um, Should you really be listening to what I say? You have to ask yourself that. Maybe consider it, but don't treat this as gospel or anything like that. Um, Because it's just not worth it for something that big to make a decision off of what I'm saying, in my opinion. That's just how I would treat myself as a listener, quite frankly, so you have to bear that in mind. But with that said, um, I will still answer and consider it. That's all that I can tell you. The listener asks, I'd like to be anonymous in this one. I recently turned in a file to the Human Resources Department that I have been compiling on a manager at my work. I am a man who has been sexually harassed by another man, and I just haven't been doing okay since. I'm assured that I won't lose my job, but I also know nothing will be the same going forward. I know I did the right thing, but do you have any advice on why, even though I did what I believe was right, I feel awful. Thank you and be well. So thank you for your email, and, uh, Words can't even express, number one, how how sorry I feel the fact that you wound up in this situation, but likewise the disgust and contempt that I feel toward those responsible for you being in this situation in the first place. It's, uh, it's something that I take a hard-line stance against, and sexual harassment and all of that you know, sometimes we forget that it does happen. It can happen in many circumstances to many individuals. And I know many times, of course, granted the statistics prove this to be the case, that it is most prevalent uh, from a male unto a female. But like in your case, it could happen from one male unto another, or even from a female unto a male. Uh, etc., etc., right? It, it can certainly 
what I'm trying to say is that you have evil and perverse individuals, and they could take any any shape, right? They could embody anyone, pretty much. They could hide in plain sight. There's just lots of evil people out there. And it's not always so black and white. So number one, you did do the right thing. It's not even what you believe was right. You did, you did do the right thing, absolutely. When it comes down to economics and finances and all of that, sometimes it's tough to kind of, when you consider your principles, your morals, what you stand for, what you believe in, and what you know is right and wrong, versus the prospect of your job, keeping your job, and having that revenue to be able to keep a roof over your head, or buy food, or pay the bills, or whatever it is, uh, sometimes it is a tough balance, and you think, well, I disagree with this, or I want to do something with this, but if I do, there's there might be some issues with my job. Things might be might get worse for me. I might not be able to keep my job. Whatever it is, but this is just my take. I think you have to you have to you have to speak out. You have to do something about it. If you don't, it's just never it's never going to get any better. Now, one way or another this might end up being a place that you're going to leave. That's all that I could tell you. And I think that's a possibility that you have to be ready for, um, one way or another. It's just the situation. No matter what, though, you absolutely did the right thing. And I'm very proud of you for being able to, to compile that report and submit it. Obviously, you don't necessarily know what's going to come of it. I think we always wish that it would be very cut dry, straightforward, and common sense, but we know sadly that that's not how it always goes. But I think it took a tremendous amount of courage to be able to, to speak up about that, and I'm proud of you for doing that. You did the right thing. I think in terms of how you feel otherwise, though, I'm not going to divulge specific instances, but over the years I've had much harassment, um, of course, online, but also physical. And some of these, some of the harassment at times I realize now, you know, I didn't, I knew it was bad, but I didn't, I just kind of accepted it for what it is, would easily qualify as sexual harassment myself. I didn't do anything about it, though. I didn't even speak up, I didn't even tell a soul about it. I just uh, dealt with it and tried to ignore it the best I could. And I wish I had done something with it, because the, the people responsible for that never faced any repercussions, and quite frankly, I'm sure that they're even worse today than they were back then. And, uh, it, you know, it just is what it is. That's the regret that I have, but... You know, I let fear and intimidation and all of that get the best of me. And I just hoped, well, if I laid low, maybe it'll go away and, you know, eventually someone else will be targeted. Right, that was my hope. Eventually it did go away, but I think I should have done something about it. You know, had I, had I been able to go back in time, of course I would have, but, you know... I wish I could have done this, I wish I could have done that, etc. How many times do we find ourselves going there, right? 
many. All that I could say from personal experience is I imagine it's a culmination of various feelings. I mean, number one, of course, you'd been violated, and that has, number one, its own immense psychological impact. Negative, of course. Uh, it could be very, very demoralizing. You know, you thought you thought better of people. I think also you have the dynamic where, especially if it's from an individual in a position higher up than you, uh, we always have these sorts of ideals, in my opinion, and this is how it should be, um, in reality, in terms of people actually being this way, that those in positions higher up than you are people, number one, who deserve to be there, but are good leaders, are good managers, um, but at the same time are individuals who should set an example for other people, both in terms of their uh, talent, efficiency, productivity, but also their moral character, and should just be good people, who follow the rules, maintain the standards, but set themselves as an example for everyone else to follow. Uh, that's, I think, the way that it should be. And sadly, when you see <laughs> that in many such cases it's not even close to true, number one, that's a bit demoralizing to begin with, but number two, I think it's also the fact of even being able to handle it and try to take that complaint when you know this person is in a position of power. It depends on how the company is, but I hate to say it, even in this day and age in 2022, uh, it might end up being, you know, your word against his, and he'll say, oh, this guy isn't, um, is making this up, whatever, and if it's a corrupt company and the guy knows, you know, the boss or whatever, they might take his side. That's the demoralizing truth. I hate to say that. And uh, that's obviously a huge weight as well. So I think even going up against that, you know, there's something that might feel wrong about that as well. It shouldn't feel that way, but sadly it does. And uh, like I said, it's just a whole culmination, I think, of psychological stress, trauma, the events themselves, uh, the dynamic, etc. And uh, I think it all just culminates into, into one, even though you did the right thing. And I think it's excellent that you did. By no means will you ever feel that way, that, um, you know, yeah, I, I went ahead and I submitted this report, now it's time to party, and I feel like I've, I have a clean conscience now, and everything's going to get better, so this is a time for celebration. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Um, even if, let's say, the person responsible faces the harshest penalties, it's still not going to necessarily be a day of celebration. I highly doubt it. Uh, it might take years and years for things to really get better, if at all. Uh, I wish I could just sit here and lie and tell you that, yeah, it's all going to get better real fast. It's, it's, that would be very irresponsible of me to say. Um, I can't. It would be a lie to, to tell you that. But regardless, stay strong, and I hope for the best. On to our next question. Uh, this is actually a series of questions. 
from Joanne in San Diego, California. I know you're a regular shortwave listener as well, but you also tune into the podcast. Are you somewhat relieved to have had COVID-19? I feel paralyzed to do anything with people or outside at all other than necessary tasks like going to work. I'm very anxious about going back to work next week. I used to do a few uh, outdoor activities, uh, but haven't done anything since February 2020. Living with my dad makes the decisions very difficult. Uh, So to answer your first question, uh, am I relieved to have had COVID? Uh, In a way. Um, You know, has anything for me changed in terms of my level of activity? Not in the slightest. Um, Even though indeed, and I know, even though I tested positive, and of course I don't tell you the variant, I know for a fact that it it was easily the Omicron variant. Um, It matched every single symptom. It even matched the, uh, the textbook symptom which they say now, not only, you know, the sore throat and the scratchy throat, but one of the unique symptoms they said was like night sweats of all things. And I do remember when I was down for the count, um, because one thing you have to know about me is that I am not a sweaty person. Uh, That's another reason why I'm able to dress the way that I do. In Florida, I do not perspirate. And um, that's just my, that's how I have always been. And that's why on a 100-degree day, you know, I could still wear a three-piece suit, also because of my cold sensitivity. Um, But like right now, it's an unusually warm day outside. Now, granted, I'm here indoors, but it's a 90-degree day for early January. And here I am, wearing long pants, long sleeves, a a long uh, knee length at least, that goes below my knees, overcoat. Um all of that, you know, I'm all bundled up and still my hands and feet are cold and uh, no sweat is to be found. So it's very rare for me to perspire. However, when I was there in bed, um, sure enough, I I noticed that. And, uh, you know, I would be sure with what energy I could, I'd say, damn, I got to get over to the shower, you know, and and I want to wash this this stuff off. It's gross. And, um, each day, you know, I'd kind of make my way over and try to wash up at least and, and freshen up as best I could. But uh, anyway, it matches the Omicron variant to a T. So, yeah, it's great that I have natural immunity to the predominant strain right now. That's excellent. Have I done anything differently since then? No, I haven't. Um, I go out just as little. I all of that, but I think it's also in my nature, you know, it's the fact that um, I'm just extremely, extremely introverted, but it goes beyond that, I'm reclusive. I don't know if I would say agoraphobic, but some would probably call me that, but I don't know. Am I scared of the outside world? Sometimes I sure am, but I feel like I have my justifiable, legitimate reasons there too. Um, people may disagree, though, right? They say that's what they all say, right? Of course I'm right. Of course I have my reasons. Of course they make sense to me. But I don't know. It just does. It makes sense in my mind anyway. I don't know to anyone else if it does or not. You know? For me, it's perfectly logical to be paranoid and, you know, 
to even go down to the mailbox, I kind of look out the windows and I, you know, I scan the horizon multiple times to make sure that there's no cars or people nearby. And uh, all of that, and I, you know, no matter the time of day, and even then I, I limit my time outside as fast as possible because you just don't know. Now, people will say that's mental illness. I don't think so. I have my reasons to feel that way. And um, to me, it's perfectly logical and justifiable anyway. Just saying that to bring up a point. So after getting COVID, my behavior hasn't really changed um, one single bit. Now, psychologically, though, is there any bit of uh, relief? Maybe slightly. Um, Slightly in so much that at least I know how it was for me. And at least I know that I was able to take care of it at home and bounce back in that regard. So with that said, that's um, a bit of a... a, a, a um, no, tongue, I'm tongue-tied there. I couldn't even say tongue-tied right the first time. It's a bit of a relief in that case. But um, I guess it's just something that I'm glad I got over with, and uh, and there's that. I'm kind of glad also that I got the variant early, so if I needed, I didn't, but if I needed any additional help, such as um, monoclonal antibodies, etc., you know, the resources were readily available at the time, but I didn't, and uh, I'm glad that, you know, someone else who needed them more than me was able to get them, and that's great. So, that's my take there. All right, next question. Have you ever considered getting a Tesla? Many folks around here have the Model 3. Um, I've never seriously considered it. Um, certainly done... One thing that's interesting about Teslas is that they do have some good acceleration. Uh, the thing that unnerves me a little bit with them is the heavy reliance that they have, I believe, on... I understand that it's just supposed to be the modern technology and all of that, but wasn't there an instance that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way when the app crashed and uh, everyone was locked out of their cars? I'm just looking. I'm seeing... Where they weren't able to start their cars, etc. And uh, that sort of reliance rubs me the wrong way on those sorts of technologies. It's just, I think it's just about control and, you know, this kind of helpless feeling should something go awry. Um, that's why I kind of like just the old school thing where you don't have to worry about any of that. It's just a car that runs to get you from point A to point B. It may not be as flashy or even have the technological superiorities or the exquisite luxuries upon which a Tesla has, but at least it's something that I feel I could trust. Maybe it's a trust issue in terms of, of Tesla that I just can't really get there. Um, but I see some Teslas here in Florida. I see them a lot up in uh, New York. As a matter of fact, one of, the, one of the big things that I noticed in about the last five years I remember back in 2015 and 2016, uh, very seldom would I see a Tesla on the road up there. But when I've been up there in 2021, I saw so many more. 
So they're definitely on the increase up there. Um, the one thing is that also some of the infrastructure in terms of the charging stations seems a bit sparse still. And uh, that's another thing. But, you know, it's still, I think, even this day and age, still to a degree an emerging technology, and there's still, I think, things that could change and can be better perfected, but um, yeah, they have their fans, and again, there's certainly some um, undeniably good characteristics thereof. All right, and final question. What are your thoughts on a security system? I just set up a ring doorbell camera for the front porch due to getting so many deliveries since the pandemic. I won't lie, it feels invasive and creepy, but I feel like I need to have it for safety. Thanks and take care. So thank you for your questions, good questions at that, and for your regular listenership. Security systems, uh, they're necessary, but again, just like um, in terms of Tesla's I always have these worries in terms of third-party systems. And Ring, aren't they owned by Amazon? So they are, aren't they? I don't want to be sitting here just spewing out nonsense. Yeah, it is. Um, Okay, it is owned by Amazon. As a result, the problem with my mind and just by my, my nature, I see, well, look, they're owned by Amazon. So I don't trust them as a result. And, uh, this article, yeah, I know it's the Guardian that said this, but still, it kind of echoes my, uh, my sentiment a bit, where uh, it says, the home security company Ring, purchased by Amazon in 2018, is now part of the largest civilian surveillance network the U.S. has ever seen, and, uh, I can't help but for that to ring true, <laughs> ring true in my mind. But um, I just kind of have those sentiments sometimes. But, you know, it depends on what you're comfortable with. And uh, as for me, I get paranoid about even just a camera that would even have any sort of internet connection whatsoever um, or anything. You know, I would just say security systems are definitely important, um, but of course it, it all depends, and I would ideally like one that would simply be a basic camera and is capable of recording any suspicious activity, but is merely a camera, not a surveillance device for big companies, um or the government, but I'm sure that they could probably just survey you no matter what, so that that really doesn't matter, because they'll get their way either way. But, you know, some big companies, at least you could make it a little tougher for them. You could have at least a small ounce of privacy. But sometimes I think maybe it's some sort of conspiracy, you know, because the ring doorbells and all of that, uh, it's a good piece of technology, and it's easy to use, uh, it appears rather effective, but maybe that's that's why, right? If they want to introduce another, because they already have some, i.e. the Alexa devices, but introduce another surveillance device into your home, may as well make it a piece of technology that gives people practical incentive 
to purchase and obtain. So makes me wonder that they designed it so well on purpose, um, you know, just, just to make it that way. But yeah, I think it'll probably do you good. I think I'm more paranoid than most, but just like with the Teslas, I understand that these pieces of technology certainly have their, um, their benefits and they seem to do a good job. But am I necessarily trusting of them? No, I'm not. But I do think that surveillance and security for yourself, for your health and well-being and protection, uh, is an important thing. You know, it's it's uh, very important to stay safe, especially knowing how uh, a lot of people are these days. Good questions. Thanks for asking them. Uh, some short well wishes from Aaron checking in. Just said, first of all, I wish you the best in your recovery. Second, it was refreshing to hear your thoughts on COVID. COVID is one of those topics that's hard to talk about because it affects so many people in different ways, because some people aren't willing to talk about it freely, preferring to stick to certain set narratives about it. It was nice to hear you discuss it thoughtfully. I myself struggle to know what to make of it. And third of all, I think you're doing the right thing, not doing an average day video. If it's something you dread doing, best wishes from Aaron. So thanks, Aaron. Some uh, nice comments there. Thank you for your well wishes. Three more emails. All right, we've got Ben in Reading, England. Regarding your last podcast, I just wanted to say that I totally respect and support your decision to stop with the average day videos. You gave a very fair reason for not wanting to continue, and I hope people can respond with empathy and maturity. But I'm sure some people won't, as people seem to feel entitled to know about the personal lives, routines, and living situations of people they've never met. Wow, you hit the nail on the head right there. That's uh, That was said better than I ever could. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely spot on right there. That's a good take. And uh, I agree. Uh, people by nature, by nature, I feel, I feel are nosy. And it's a shame, but I guess it's just how people are. I wish people had more respect for the privacy of others, though. You know, it all depends on the circumstances and how you feel. You know, some people have no problem sharing every ounce of their lives. Uh, sometimes it just depends, you know, who you're sharing it with. You know, you could be talking to some people that you can trust and you'd be happy talking about your life or whatever, but to a mass audience of hundreds of thousands of people who I have never seen, nor have I any idea as to all of their intentions, uh, it's always kind of, it scared me in a way. People also have to remember that I started doing the Average Day videos when there was no real viewership to my channel. And early on, the Average Day videos would only get like a thousand views. So you have to remember that I wasn't really doing it with the expectation that there would be 500,000 to a million people watching my my life like that. Um, they only became more popular after I started already doing them. 
So that's the other thing that some people forget. Some people say, yeah, but you were doing it. Uh, Look at him. He likes the attention, right? You have to realize, though, that no one was really watching it at the time. There was this kind of sense of innocence to it that is immediately lost when you have too many, in my opinion, people watching it. And uh, like I said, I just had my reasons. It amazes me, though. For some reason, I was looking up Average Day Video, and uh, it's something that people still do, though. I mean, you have all sorts of people on YouTube and social media, profiles big and small, who do these sorts of Average Day videos and like a day in the life type of thing. And there was this one video that I checked out for some reason. It was like one of the first results for me. It was like a day in my life or something. So I was watching it, and my God, some people are real brazen, you know? The guy, he <laughs> filmed himself disrobing and, and brought the camera with him into the shower. And um, I couldn't believe it. I thought to myself, uh, number one, you know, certainly not a family-friendly channel there. And uh, number two, I don't know. I guess is that what people want to see these days? I, I certainly didn't. As soon as I saw this this nude man showering, and he was just fine with that. He was says what I do every morning. I was thinking, I don't, I, I don't want to see this. And uh, I exited the video, but I couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I swear. I I laugh because I guess it's just because I'm old school still, so, but it's just so strange to me to to film such a thing. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I still can't. But anyway, uh, you continue. Anyway, I have a question, which is quite open ended. What do you think of the BBC? It's obviously a multifaceted organization operating on a global scale. But I know you're familiar with the radio broadcasts. BBC News has become very controversial in the UK, as it's meant to be impartial, but people on all sides of the political spectrum uh, seem to think it's biased one way or another. I don't even think true impartiality is possible, but the main reason people get upset about the BBC in particular is because you're legally required to pay a TV license fee over here, and so it's funded by the taxpayer. Feel free to answer however you want, or not at all, of course, as the topic can be controversial. Thanks for your email, and thanks for doing these podcasts. Or thanks for reading the email and doing the podcasts. Ben, Reading, England, checking in. So that was an interesting email. Now, granted, obviously we know that the BBC is a very expansive media network, By that, they, of course, have a presence on radio. Uh, They also have, of course, their television, as well as internet presence. So I could only speak about what I feel qualified or comfortable to discuss, uh, that being the BBC World Service, specifically on radio. Um, But I think it would probably be about the same for most of their news, that is. Um, And that's all that I'm going to keep this related to. I've listened to some of the BBC domestic networks um, before. I've listened to BBC radio for uh, a good number of times, but by and large, if there's one that I would wind up listening to, it would be the BBC World Service, um, because that's what I come across um, 
most readily on the shortwave, and specifically I could only speak for the English broadcasts. Uh, the BBC, I think in the minds of some, but I know at least in the past, they did have that sort of reputation as being seen as an impartial, authoritative news source. And I remember even listening to recordings of the BBC from about 20 or more years ago. Uh, one example, and it's rather morbid, but it was from 9-11. Uh, there were a number of people, because obviously shortwave was more alive back then and more people were listening. Um, on 9-11, some people actually recorded as many international broadcasters that day as they could, to just for the sense of posterity, um, to try to get a, a glimpse of what the coverage of that was uh, on shortwave. And uh, one of those broadcasters was the BBC. And having listened to those recordings, which are hours in length, compared to what I've listened to today, um, indeed, it's like two different stations. And... Yeah, you're right. You know, true impartiality is never really possible. I mean, it could be to an extent, but there might always be a little bit of a slant here or there. It just wouldn't really be big enough to, to get in the way of anything. And these days, I don't consider the BBC to be uh, an impartial network. Uh, I always just consider them, just in my mind, I think of them as like a left-leaning uh, news agency. And that's how I've viewed them, having listened to them periodically for years now. Uh, that's just based on the coverage and everything that I see, and I don't see how anyone could really say otherwise. Um, so I would definitely consider the BBC World Service to be, yeah, they do have a bias toward the left. Um, undoubtedly, based on how they report the news, I do notice a certain slant with it, that uh, certain things, you know, one take is given more so than the other. And also their commentary programs, especially. If they're allowed, you know, here's the thing that, that my opinion comes down to. I really don't give a damn whether they're left-wing, or right-wing, or center. I do care, though, as if they were marketed, still to this day, as being impartial, and they're not. And I would have this exact same complaint if they skewed toward the right, and they were more of a conservative news network. If they called themselves impartial, I would be saying the exact same thing. So, it all comes down to, are they what they say they are? And if they still go along by saying that we are completely impartial and we don't take um, sides, I disagree with that. And I think they would just have to say, yeah, we do skew this way, and uh, call it a day. Leave it at that. Um, what I was noticing the other day, for instance, is they had someone on the air, and I guess this is to try to be impartial, but again, you can just kind of tell, like, maybe they had this person on just because 
they're supposed to be impartial, but it's the way they handled this person with opposing views. Um, it rubbed me the wrong way. It was on COVID, for instance, and COVID restrictions. And they had this roundtable discussion um, in terms of whether or not they should be increased or what have you. And they had one person on, I guess, you know, again, for the sake of impartiality, it was like four or five people who were pro-restrictions, including the host, and one person who was against them. So yes, the person who was against them did have their say in the matter, but most of the time it seemed like the discussion was just everyone ganging up on this one person and attempting to belittle and refute everything that they said. Doesn't necessarily mean that what you know, the the person with opposing views was saying was right or wrong, but it's just clear that a certain viewpoint was easily um, favored. But like I said, you could easily tell that in terms of editorialized content. And um, so that's why I, I just think of the BBC as, uh, again, a left-leaning um, news network, and that's how I've regarded them for years. So... That's how I see it. I don't look at them and say that's impartial. Uh, So I just kind of... One important thing is that there's no harm in saying that this network or that network has a bias, because that way you're able to take into better account your media consumption. Like, for instance, here's what I do with news and current events. I try to look at things from many perspectives. Um, Even the same event, sometimes I will see what people to the left say about it, I see what people to the right say about it, and then once I know the full range of perspectives and takes and the reasoning there behind, I can then try to formulate my own opinion. Now, I think that's also because I have free time, and that's not the case for everyone, um, but that's how I like to try to analyze what's going on in the world today, because there's so much polarization and everything seems to have a spin to it one way or the other, I try to just look beyond that and try to figure out, well, what exactly is being spun here one way or another, and what's real, what what isn't, what's exaggerated, what's editorialized, etc. And uh, that's just how I try to make sense of it all, because it's a crazy world, crazy times, so much is being, you know, kind of spoon-fed to us. And, uh... I try to just make light of what I can. So that's how I consume um, the news. One thing that I haven't really understood uh, in terms of the BBC World Service, and I don't know, because I... Now, here's an open-ended question, because I just don't know. Some of the programs that they air, to the places that they are airing them, I don't really know what sort of applicability they have for the listening audience. Um, It just confuses me a little bit. I think they take their audience research seriously, but sometimes I'll sit there and I'll, I'll listen to some of the BBC shortwave frequencies, for instance, that are targeting listeners in the war torn Tigray region of Ethiopia, and people in the Horn of Africa and South Sudan living in absolute poverty um, with absolutely nothing. 
some people probably with just their radio set and that's it. They probably don't even have electricity or running water. And I'll sometimes hear these politically charged editorials, even about U.S. issues, and I think to myself, what exactly is someone living in squalor in the Horn of Africa, what are they getting out of an editorial about reactions to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's uh, trip to Florida? What is, what is someone over there? Are they just sitting there? Is everyone gathering everyone at their village around their radio now? Because, oh my God, this is what they're talking about. Come here, listen, listen. I mean, seriously, I just don't understand the applicability, but don't think that I'm only criticizing the BBC with that. There's plenty of other stations, too, that their choice of programming is a real head-scratcher. And I could say that about my very own VOA, um, exactly the same. And uh, some of their programming... You know, one interesting thing, one station that I might not be able to criticize as much is uh, China Radio International. Um, because China Radio International, I think the goal of their station explicitly is to promote Chinese ideals, essentially, and the views of their government to the world. And like them or not, they know what they're doing. So their programming actually kind of has a bit of applicability, and uh, I'll give credit where credit is due as well. But it's just things that make me wonder, but I guess in short, and I'm not even just picking on the BBC here, this is just my opinion in terms of news in general. And you simply raised the BBC as the example here, and I appreciate that. Um, but don't think that I'm just saying that, you know, for one reason or another. I was, hell, I was listening to the BBC last night. I was scanning around and I came across a program on, uh, I think it was 7285 kilohertz, and I listened to them for a bit. Um, this is just news and news networks in general. I think when it comes down to such things, there just needs to be honesty, and they just have to clearly say, we tilt this way, we tilt that way, we favor certain um, viewpoints as opposed to others. You know, news is something, obviously it's never going to be this way, but this is like one of those perfect world type of scenarios. I wish news was transparent and people at least knew what they were getting and knew it would have this tilt or that tilt to it, not something masquerading as a, an unbiased, authoritative voice. A network just needs to say what they are and uh, and leave it at that. The programming is what it is. I'm not criticizing that. I'm just criticizing if one says they're impartial and they're not. So I hope people don't take that the wrong way. All right, good question, though. I like it. Uh, let's see. I've got two emails here, but one of them... This one I'm actually going to save. Because that could be done in the next show, actually. It came, it came in a little early. Before I even announced it. So, that said, we hear from, looks like a listener in Australia, mostly with some comments that we'll read, but also a little question, and uh, then that'll be it for the show. Hi, John. I've been enjoying your VORW podcast, and I've been watching your YouTube uploads for years now, after my partner introduced me to your content. 
He's been following you pretty much from the start. Uh, getting in touch has been something I've been meaning to do for at least a couple years now. No pressure at all to include this email on your podcast. I live with my partner and our cat, whose name is Bartok. <laughs> Talkman is a Russian blue breed, so a very silvery-colored and sleek-looking cat with bright green eyes and such a gentle and independent temperament. I give you this crazy cat lady sounding background because my partner and I have sat down to watch your videos together many times and have tried to guess whether you might prefer cats or dogs. I'm sure you've discussed this on your podcast a long time ago, but I can't for the life of me seem to remember whether you specified a preference either way, but maybe it erred on the side of cats. We ended up coming to the conclusion that, like us, you possibly have no specific preference for either species, and would decide your preference more based on what is most realistic and convenient at a given point in your life. But we did simultaneously conclude that, if it were a particularly nice dog or cat for whatever reason, that you'd appreciate and enjoy its company. So basically, that became us, or more correctly me, then deciding that you'd definitely be friends with our cat Bartok. What is possibly even weirder than this ridiculous thing I've invented is that ages ago, you shared a listener artwork on your VORW podcast, and we're describing a portrait someone did of you basically as a cat in a suit. It was really nice hearing that it got a smile and good reaction of you to interject, it still does. And it also meant that I was so intrigued by this description of your reaction that I looked up your YouTube podcast, um, uploaded to see the portrait, and imagine my reaction when I saw that the artist had basically drawn you as our cat Bartok. All of this combined to only solidify my theory that you and Bartok, the Russian blue, would indeed be friends, even if you don't necessarily identify as a cat person. So to interject, because you do have some other comments beyond that, um, so in terms of cats versus dogs, I haven't any explicit disdain toward one or the other in general, However, if I were to choose, it would easily be cats. Um, I would definitely be a cat person more than a dog person. I think as one can imagine, though, because I myself am very low energy. I, it's kind of hard enough sometimes to even take care of myself. So if I were to choose, not that cats are self-sustainable, um, but they're a bit more quiet and more reserved as well than dogs are. And while they still require care, um, cats seem to be more independent. Uh, dogs, on the other hand, I think are good for more extroverted, or at least people who have more energy and um, are willing to put forth said energy to allow for a happy and comfortable life for the dog. So that's one thing. Right now, I have no pets, and... I intend it to remain that way, maybe for indefinitely, um, but if I were to choose on the spot, I would go with cats. Um, I also think for me it would be irresponsible to, uh, I think it would be even irresponsible to own a cat, 
But I think it would be even more irresponsible to own a dog. Uh, Certainly, if I were to, I would, to the best of my ability, try to care for it and give it the best quality life it could have. Um, But I feel like I wouldn't be able to do enough. And it would be better off with someone who isn't me. So that's that's my view in terms of pet ownership. But either way, I'm sure I would get along just fine with your cat, um, bar talk. I mean, I, I like cats. They're, uh, they're fascinating creatures. And um, a few years ago, when I found myself in a household that had a number of cats, uh, I would get along with them. And there is this one cat uh, who was a smoky gray cat, and his name was Alex. And I never really talked about him much. Um... But actually, I know everyone might remember the one cat from the, the 2016 review, um, Willie, but uh, Alex was actually my favorite cat. Now, he's still around. He's uh, he's as lovable as it gets, but he was, uh, I just say was because I don't see him anymore, really, but during the time that I would pretty much on a daily basis, he was my favorite cat and was, uh, oh, he was just great. You know, very, uh, very friendly, very, um, very loving. He would, he would come over just to see me. He would be up middle of the night, you know, at 3 a.m. Of course, I'd be up then, too. So I'd hear him, you know, making his way over toward uh, the room I was in, and I'd open the door for him and let him come in, and he'd hop on the bed and, uh, lay down next to me and just hang out there, and, uh, or sometimes even just sit in my lap and, uh, it was cute, you know, he would just come in to, to kind of be there. Or I'd be outside, you know, listening to the radio, and he'd come out and, uh, yeah, just hang out near me and would, uh, would be there. He was a good, good cat. And, um, friendly as can be. All right, anyway, into the rest of your email. Cat silliness aside, I don't have a shortwave radio like you often discuss, but maybe one of these days I'll finally get my hands on one to try out that side of things. There are definitely shortwave listeners of yours here in Australia, and it would be good to hear your radio show at some stage. I've been studying for quite a few years now, which has meant that I'm always on a student budget, mainly that I'm uh, poor, so I haven't necessarily given myself the chance to get some of those things that sound as though I'd enjoy exploring. I just graduated from medical school, and have about a month before I start work in the new year, so I guess it'd be a good time to uh, start exploring some things like that now. Uh, Again, to interject, uh, one preface, if you want to get into shortwave, still something that I encourage. Um, As a matter of fact, with the solar cycle currently on the rise, Um, shortwave conditions are going to improve, and reception is only going to get better and better up until around 2024, when it's going to peak, and then begin to decline once again. Uh, After 2024, though, maybe by around, I'd say 2026, 2027, uh, at that point, I might stop recommending shortwave radio, and, um, I might no longer recommend it anymore as a medium to either get into uh, or to really participate in. 
And the reason I say that is because it's obviously in inexorable decline. Uh, the amount of broadcasters continue to decrease, but I don't know, reception conditions after that point are just going to get worse again, and there's going to be less and less left to listen to, and it'll get to a point where, if you know how I am, I don't want to promote something that's just going to be a waste of time and money to people, and, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what, we'll see what it holds. Um... What stations remain, what stations don't. I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but it, I'm just saying the days that this medium has left where it's actually still going to be enjoyable are very numbered. And I think the solar cycle, this is going to be its last hurrah. And um, I don't think there's any coming back after that. I think by the time in the 2030s, when the next solar cycle is here, there's going to be so little left to even listen to that um, it's not even going to be worth your time. So I just say that as a preface. It's not what it used to be. It's not what it was when I first started recommending the medium back in 2014. But it's still something. You know, it's not nothing yet. But it's getting there. I say that as a preface. Um, for you in Australia, you might have a little more time because you're still going to be able to pick up lots of stations from Asia where shortwave remains very active. Um, so you'll still have that. But for instance, if China, North Korea, South Korea, and Japan all of a sudden abandon shortwave, the medium is going to be... you're going to be losing about 90% of probably what you'll be able to pick up out there. So a word of warning. That said, you'll still, at least if you got a radio today, you'd probably be able to hear uh, VORW in Australia. If you want any specific times and frequencies to try, I'll provide them. And um, you'll be able to get a signal. So, heads up, it'll be at a rather convenient time, too, in the evening, actually, local time for you. So, it's something to consider. I give that caveat because I need to make it obvious that it's a medium in decline. It's a medium that I still promote. It's kind of, at this point, it's like, look, if it's of interest to you, I mean, get it while the getting's good. Because that's all that I could say. Get it before it's gone, because it will be gone at some point uh, in the near future. That said, if you or anyone else wants to get into shortwave radio, um, it's a medium I still promote, medium I still encourage, and um, not time to give up just yet. So if it's something that you're interested in, you could hear all sorts of interesting stations from around the world still. There's just fewer, but they're still around. And uh, if it's just something that you're interested in, you could also hear some interesting independent programs, both talk and entertainment. If it's just something that you're interested in anyway, and you want more information about it, 
shoot me an email, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Don't sit there kicking yourself, even if it didn't turn out to be something that you were really all gung-ho about to begin with. At least you could kind of say, well, I tried, and I know it's not for me. Or if it is for you, you could say, well, I'm glad I got into it while there is still something to enjoy. You know, don't be kicking yourself if somehow you're coming across this program many years later, and let's say it's 2029 right now, uh, don't be kicking yourself saying, damn it, I wish I listened because now there's nothing left, and now I can't even enjoy it or see what it was like. So, look, I'm just saying it. It's up to you. All right. Any final comments? Let's see. Yeah, with just some kind words. Uh, I wanted to say that you really seem like a genuinely great person on all kinds of levels, and I hope you realize the positive impact you have on people all over the world. It must be difficult to feel that sometimes, especially at certain times compared to others. I'm sure others will relate to this too, but even a notification from my podcast's app there's a new VORW episode is enough to help cheer me up a bit sometimes. Might sound bleak, but I think sometimes those seemingly insignificant little things to look forward to uh, really help make a difference in day-to-day life. Part of that is because the people who listen to you know they're getting more than just entertainment from you. You're clearly a bloody decent human being attached at the other end, and it's a comforting concept to have a somewhat reliable connection to good humans, even if they're people you don't really know at all, uh, just to acknowledge and remind yourself that there are good people scattered all around in a crazy, busy world that can so often feel oddly detached, miserable, worrying, and pretty hopeless at times. It means a lot to people like me and my partner, and no doubt to many, many others who may have never reached you out to you specifically. I'm sorry it's taken so long for me to say thank you. Many a night of insomnia has been calmed and guided by a few good hours of VORW immersion, and I'm grateful for that. Take care from Dominique, featuring Patrick and Bartok the Russian Blue. Well, thank you for your lovely email and for your kind words as well. It's great to have you as a listener and I really appreciate what you have to say. I think with that, that's a great note to end the show on. Huge thank you to everyone out there that wrote in. And for the next program, remember, 2022 predictions. Have you any? If so, they are welcome. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Until then, be safe, be healthy, and I wish you all the very best. Take care, this is VORW.